Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we begin today's episode, I'm going to spend a few seconds telling you about our Patreon, where you can support the show. It's patreon.com slash a new winter, and you get exclusive podcast episodes, and you can donate even a dollar if you want, but everything you give will help me be able to spend more time working on the show. Patreon.com slash a new winter. If you don't have the money and want to help, then great. Please rate and review the podcast, because that really does make a huge difference. Thank you. Culture. everybody and welcome to a new winter cults and culture i'm here with dan hi dan hello how you doing i'm good how are you yeah good um recovered from christmas and new years yes that's that's and good ready to food. assess more music <laughs> i can imagine you cramming down the turkey going, i need to review more stuff <laughs> i need to eat for that energy to review and I was um, like, I haven't wrapped up my 2019 listening, let alone the decade. Well, yes, exactly. And here we are in 2020. 2020 vision joke, insert here. I don't know what it <laughs> seems to be the thing. Um, and yeah, so today we're going to be talking about the Sigurdruth album. Uh, now I'm going to try and pronounce this. Algaitis Bierian. Jan, does that sound right? No. That doesn't sound like words. What are you talking about? What's going on? It's Icelandic for a, a good beginning. It reminds me of, um, this is, I'm totally going off topic now, but uh, my mum, my family, um, used to let in French exchange students. Do you remember this? Do you ever remember yeah. this? Yeah. And she, they did it for a while. And one, one person they got whilst I was at uni, um, 
it started to not just be kids. It started to be like they used to do adults as well that would want to come over and stay with an English family or whatever and all this. And one time I came back and she was like, oh, this this, um, like middle-aged, uh, like, you know, white guy, fine, just normal guy. Um, but I was like, it is a bit weird that he's just like living in my house. <laughs> and we were all having dinner because I was back from uni. We sat there and he he it was his like second day or something. And mum was like, oh yeah, we went to the um, science museum and we saw this, we went under whatever, I don't know. And uh, I was like, okay. And then she was, my mum my puts on this like weird like performance when she has guests sometimes where it's like, what are you doing? Why are you being weird? Like, like, yeah. She acts a certain way. And then we're all like cheersing basically before we're about to eat. I'm like, oh God, here we go. So instead she just goes, oh, she goes cheers. Or as we say, good learning. <laughs> it's like, good learning. What? Tess was there as well, my uh, my wife. You can ask her about it. Um, like, good learning. No one says that. Who who clinks glasses together and says good learning? And I was like, it reminds me of um, Masters <laughs> of the Universe. where. Yeah. <laughs> It was like, what was it? Happy Journey or something like that. <laughs> so f- where did that come from? I thought she just made, just made just being up. an idiot. <laughs> I mean, I like a- good learning. It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't, as, a, as two words put together, it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> um, so when I read like good beginning, <laughs> it kind of re- reminded me of that. Good um, beginning. It's like an um, alternative to a happy end. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best it's parallel to you could say that's how you want a happy end to start is with a good beginning yeah. <laughs> it's a good beginning uh, and a happy end it was a great experience all round. but um, we've um we've run into a problem here already um with your your pronunciation of that title okay how the bloody hell are we going to get through the next hour and a half or no, whatever I know. with all these song titles I know it'll be Icelandic fans will be having so much raucous fun listening to us try and do <laughs> do their language, speak their language. Um, it's a shame, really, because you know this. This is part of our series of um, albums that are celebrating an anniversary. Mm. So this is the nineteen ninety nine album. Yes, and there were so many other great albums we could have chosen from. Pancarama yes. Volume Four. Yeah, that's actually a good one. The best <laughs> of Aztec camera. That is good. I would I'd listen to that. I've probably got that somewhere. <laughs> and yet you've gone with Sigur Ros. Si- sugar. Ag- Agiatis Biriangin. Yes, Sugar Rose. Um, yes, I have because it was, this was coming up to the height of Sigur Ros for me. So they'd already released Von couple of years before which was great and after this they released um this well i don't even know what it's called really it's just brackets just just a pair of brackets um and maybe it does have a name but i've never actually had to say it so i've never had to actually think about what to call it it was always like that Sigur ross album um and it kind of that was this these three albums where this sits in the middle was for me like peak Sigaros because it was a new sound, it was different, um, and then they kind of started to do other things. They became a bit of a like a parody of themselves almost. They just had that. It's like they'd nailed their sound and they kept to it and they tried to add a bit more like, you know, maybe we shouldn't be down all the time, guys. Let's write some like happy jolly music. It's like I don't want you to be happy. <laughs> 
our sad, melancholy, ambient music. <laughs> um, yeah, and this was probably one of my favourite albums of that decade, <laughs> at least, <laughs> that year. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, do you, what do you know about Sigur Rós, Dan? Anything, what do you know about this album? What, how are you com- coming into this? Yeah, I don't know very much about it. I do remember them being big at the time, you know, people talking about them. And I did check this out. I have heard this album before um, we discussed doing this show. And I think I heard Tack. Um, and then obviously, you know, I've absorbed some of their music through <laughs> They Are, the band, the soundtracks, epic, inspiring adverts. So, mm. um, and I, actually, I, I noticed a few tracks on this album that I knew through adverts. Um, so yeah, I'm coming at it really with very little kind of knowledge. This is the first time I think I'd really sat down and given it a proper listen and tried to absorb the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Uh, well, just a little bit about the album itself. What do you think of the cover, by the way? So for those who don't know, the cover's like this like sad fetus that's um, like in utero, basically. Yeah, it's kind of repellent. I didn't really like it. It's weird, um, but not weird in like a kind of way that I like weird stuff. It's kind of like sort of a bit hippie new agey. Hmm. Um, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I like it. Um, I'm, funny enough, I'm going to try, I've been talking to the artist who's a guy called... Um, oh. Uh, Gotti, he's going to crucify me for saying this wrong, probably. Gotti Bernhoft. Um, and I'm going to try and see if he can uh, send through a few words which um, on, on how he, what happened basically, how this kind of came together. Because I believe he drew this um, with a biro, basically, with a ballpoint mm. pen. And it's quite cool when you look at some of his other stuff. He's got an Instagram account, which I recommend you go to, which is how you know I kind of got in contact with him, which is just... Uh, Gotti underscore um, Bernhoft, and yeah, you'll see the kind of work that he does. It's it's very similar uh, to this, but I quite like the way. Yeah, it's like this alien-like, glowing, just slightly sad baby. Just the idea that it's like, you know, bear in mind, it's called Good Beginning, so it's a be- like it doesn't get more of a beginning than like a fetus, <laughs> basically, yeah. and it's already sad. Um, it's got wings as well. Like the implication is it's some kind of angel. Yeah. Yeah, I've never really noticed that actually. That's interesting. Yeah, I always uh, just look at the massive head. Yeah, big head. Um, big one head. thing about this that's probably not that interesting, but um, if you look at the artwork on, say, Spotify or anywhere, mm-hmm. the rotation of the fetus is different to how it appeared on the original... Uh, pressings of the album oh really so yeah it used to be kind of like more straight and then they've rotated it counterclockwise maybe it's a bit more comfortable like it's sitting down (laughs) that's strange i never noticed that either yeah funny old thing um yeah yeah but uh, i quite i quite like the cover and apparently inside the um booklet there was uh, the phrase, I'm not going to even try and pronounce it in Icelandic. And if you don't know, it's a cross from Iceland, I should say. <laughs> it's probably a good way to start. Um, 
but it says, I gave you, and a plural you, I gave you hope that became a disappointment. This is a good beginning. Whatever that means. Um, I've read here that it's about their previous releases. Um, but I don't know. Oh, what do you think that means? I don't know. Is it a lyric from one of the songs? I don't think so, but I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. I gave you a good beginning. I gave you hope that became a disappointment. This is a good beginning. Doesn't it doesn't sound like, you know, sound pessimistic. <laughs> yeah. Everything starts out hopeful and good. Yeah. They should have followed this album up then with something really awful. Yeah, but they didn't. They followed that with something amazing. Um and apparently they actually in the early days they actually uh, made um and glued together the cases for the first print of this uh, this release themselves. Oh, cool. And apparently some of the CDs were unusable oh. uh, because <laughs> of the glue. <laughs> There's glue stains on them, um, which is quite interesting. Uh, but yeah, um, and as, as we were discussing uh, just before we started the show, this was actually released, it was released in Iceland on the 12th of June, 1999, but it was released in the UK in 2000 and the US in 2001. So because we were like trying to do um albums you know within 10 years 20 years 30 years 40 years whatever um this kind of still works even though we're in 2020 because it's both a 1999 album and a 2000 album really isn't it so yeah for us it is for us um, it's released originally and just looking on the uh, i don't know how to pronounce it smeklisa label which is actually mm. quite an iconic icelandic label They've done stuff like, uh, you know, the uh, Sugar Cubes and Ghost Digital. Right. Um, other Icelandic bands. And then it came out with Fat Cat in the UK. Yeah. Do you know them? Yeah, uh, only from name. Like, I recognise the name, but I don't know anything they've done. And from reading this. <laughs> yeah, it's like Brighton-based, kind of do like indie, like cool alternative kind of electronic or dance music. Okay. Um, so I didn't realise they'd been going that long, to be honest. This must have been quite a big uh, release for them. Might have been one that kind of like put them on the map. Yeah, I think it did. Um, and so, yeah, it's funny you talk about Sugar Cube. So this was produced by, it's their second studio album. It's produced by Ken Thomas. Um, and Ken Thomas, uh, well, he ended up working with people like uh, Dave Gahan, mm. um, Wire, the Bongos. Don't know who the Bongos are. Do you know them? No. No. And he also did some work with M83 as well, who were pretty oh, yeah. big. Uh, but yeah, he started off as being an engineer for bands like Public Image Limited, Buzzcocks and Sugar Cubes. So uh-huh. it was actually them who introduced him to Sigur Ross after they played him uh, Von, the first album. And he was like, this is great. And he was uh, being more experimental and all this stuff. So um, yeah, but he produced this album and there on out they've had a very close relationship um and yeah they work together quite frequently i don't know if they're still doing it to this day but they definitely did you know after after this album um and yeah this also included their new keyboardist Kjartan Svensson who would go on to be a um you know their longtime member and uh, their original drummer August Gunnarsson um left after the release of this album and he went on to study graphic design. So I hope he's done well. Good luck to him. 
And he was replaced by someone called Ori Dylesen, who I believe is still the drummer to this day. And yeah, as you said, like a lot of the music on this album, you might, if you've not heard it before, you might have heard it in adverts or in films. The one film I remember um, seeing it was in Vanilla Sky, with Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. um, which was the uh, remake of Open Your Eyes, a Spanish film. Yeah. And yeah, and this is uh, like the big song that's kind of like at the the height of the of the film, whatever the, the not the pinnacle, you know what I mean? The crescendo or whatever of the film at the end, I believe, they play this song. Um and it's a real it's really impactful. That's uh, the thing, these songs they seeped into so much of the uh like media of the time. Mm. It feels really um yeah, it feels really like two thousand when I listen to this. Yeah. And that's the problem is because if it it was one of those things where like people who were musos essentially kind of grabbed onto it very quickly and were like, you know, spread the word, like you should listen to this. It's amazing. It's different. It's so cool. They're from Iceland and all this. And so it became like the cool thing. Um, and obviously putting them in the films and, you know, creatives using them in adverts and stuff like that, because this was like a hot new sound, not just like a band or like, you know, it was a whole thing as of itself. Mm. Um, which is why uh, it's so interesting. Yeah, it does mean that, so for me, it has dated a bit. When I listened to this, I did feel transported back. Um, and I think, you know, this every, this sound has been built on, progressed and moved on. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a bit difficult coming coming to it now. Mm. And, and yeah, just sort of hearing... Everything like it makes me think of everything two thousand ish, like mm. movies. Mm. It's because it's so distinctive as well. Yeah. Like everything about it, the production, the sound, um, like his voice is very distinctive, which you find. The fact that I believe that I've got one upstairs actually. It's called like an Ebo, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I've used one when we've been playing actually, but. Essentially, it's um, you put it up against your guitar string. It's like a magnetic kind of thing. Um, and it does these, it makes it sound like it's a bow, essentially, on your guitar strings. And they do actually use physical bows when they play um, sometimes. Uh, it vibrate the guitar string? Yeah, well, it must do. I don't really know how it works. It doesn't actually vibrate it. It's not actually moving that you can see, but it does, I don't know, I don't actually know what it does, um, hmm. to be honest, I've just. But I've always had one. But it does that kind of like, it makes your electric guitar sound like a violin. So it has these kind of like really washy, um, and I'm, I'm kind of talking about the production essentially, but gives it a very, yeah, washy, like cool um, sound because it's still like an electric guitar. It's still like a distorted effect, but it's got this swelling to it and this kind like of Like it's weeping. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it creates these, it can be like really beautiful, but yeah, and you have to have like... Um, it's not that uh, when you're using an Ebo, it um, can be a bit difficult because you've kind of got to get it just right, if that makes sense, to kind of pick up that sound. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you've got it a bit too high, a bit too low, it's not rested on the string properly or, you know, whatever you're doing with your left hand. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of, there's a trick to it, I'm guessing what I'm trying to say. It's like a, it has a certain nuance to being able to like, use it properly and create these kind of beautiful sounds that Sigur Ross do. But yeah, you'll see them when you, they play live. They do actually, some of them just use natural bow 
Huh. Um, and go back I've to not, basics. Use a bow. Yeah, and I've not tried. I've not actually tried that. I don't know how that would work. I think because it's essentially I'm I'm trying to concentrate on doing like one string, one note, and kind of mixing that in rather than just like I'm going at all the strings. But so. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's interesting. the fear of getting it wrong when you're, you're mucking around with these uh, electromagnetic fields. Yeah, yeah. You just want to um, get stuck in with a blooming bow. Yeah. Have you ever seen them live? No. What, Ebos or Cigaros? Cigaros. No. Yeah, so I saw them after TAC, actually, on the TAC tour. And I remember I'm, I'm t- I don't really like TAC that much, to be honest, to be brutally honest. Um, and controversial yeah i mean it was all right but yeah i didn't enjoy the i thought it was there are, there are songs that which are a bit jolly and there are songs that are still amazing but i was like this didn't have and again and i'm always banging on about this but this didn't have that like melancholy beauty to it 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 and it started for me to become where they were like we're cigarettes and this is our sound and this is what we're gonna do and you know we're going to kind of play on that a little bit rather than being like, I don't know, what are you trying to, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to do? Do you know what I mean? Um, what kind of tone are you trying to do here? Mm. But uh, yeah, when I saw them live, it was all the, old, I mean, all that stuff was great. But like when they were playing that old stuff, um, man, I was just like, this is, and I just remember throughout the whole thing, I was like, I was having like this like ethereal, like out of body experience, just watching the whole thing. Like, I was like, this is mad. But the whole time, um, my uh, wife, basically, was um, moaning about her feet. <laughs> she's, like, <laughs> she's like, my feet hurt. I'm standing up for too long. I'm like, well, just go fucking sit down. Do something else. Sit on the floor then. <laughs> like, we're all standing. Uh, she's like, my, I said, my feet hurt. My feet hurt. How long is this going to go on for? How long do you reckon it'll be finished soon? I'm like, oh, my God. I'm here having like a moment. <laughs> having a transcendent moment yeah. back to earth with a bump. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yes, it's not really, yeah, it's not really her thing. Um, <laughs> that. Uh, yeah. That's you, that, that baby on the front cover. That's you with your little wings trying to fly <laughs> and embrace yeah. the music. But yeah. You're being anchored Anchored with a cord. Umbilical cord, yeah. <laughs> Someone's to, dragged me out and I'm crying. To the physical world. <laughs> yeah. I was always Just saying that to there's, um, there's, uh, oh God, this is really sad, but um, <laughs> putting together jokes for this stand-up thing that I was going to do a while ago. And one of the things was like <laughs> being, being so down that um, when the doctor... <laughs> I can't delivering it so poorly, but when I was I was delivered, and the baby um, and the doctor slapped my bum, I just gave out a sigh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love that image exactly. Instead of crying, just put me back in. Yeah, like this is life. This is the happy beginning. Um, yeah, so uh, it did it did well. Got picked up as you said, like by um, Fat Cat and all this stuff. It got released internationally and yeah it did it did put them on the map especially from tiny iceland um pitchfork put it at number two their album of the year number Hmm. eight in their albums of the 2000s really yeah so they highly regarded in their eyes um and recently there was a 20th anniversary edition uh that was released actually with a live performance and some unreleased demos and all this stuff of um 
songs of the album, which is pretty cool. It's well worth looking at. Yeah, and I saw that. That's that's pretty majestic. Mm-hmm. And if you're a vinyl buyer, you might want to get your hands on that. Yeah. And I think it's always like, I, um, they've released documentaries and all this, on this stuff where they play like in different parts of Iceland or whatever and stuff like that. But when you see them with a big orchestra, when they finally like hit the big time as such, um, having that like huge sound, it really is quite incredible. So it's worth listening to like the live stuff at this time as well, because it was, it was just, like they're just making it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the live album itself is a performance from the day of release. Oh, really? Is it? Yeah. So it's like right then and there. They're probably at the height of like having practiced and performed it and, and recorded it, and then unveiling it. Right. That's cool. Um, yeah, I didn't realize that. I just knew it was a uh, it's like with a backing orchestra or something. I thought it was. Um, yeah, I didn't realize it's the day of release. Um, okay, should we get should we get into it then? Okay, let's go. This this album, by the way, is seventy one minutes long. So when you put when you put it on, mm. like you're you're gonna go through a journey. But we start with um, something called intro. Intro. <laughs> um, and yeah, let's have a listen to it now. that was the intro dan what's what's your feeling immediately after listening to that uh uh, warm and i suppose engaged and curious because it's quite mysterious Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. it's nice it reminds me of um some sort of like 60s-ish kind of beach boysy even beatlesy like harmonies and then with some of that kind of like is it like some stuff playing backwards backward masking yeah, so it's actually the title track, um, played backwards. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so you were quite right in noticing that. And then the last few sort of seconds of just sort of, like, sort of sparse, mm-hmm. kind of, uh, like a little, little palette cleanser Yeah, as we go well, into I, a 10-minute <laughs> opening yeah, exactly. track. I saw it that it was um, The Womb. Uh-huh. But that's, you know, when you hear like womb sounds, like we had it when our, one of our kids was um, a baby, they, you have like a thing to help them go to sleep and one of the sounds is what's supposed to sound like a heartbeat from inside the womb or whatever. And so it's that kind of, as you were saying, it's that warm sensation. So I imagine it's to do with the cover, it's to do with beginnings and all this stuff. Um, yeah, so it's a nice note to kind of start everything up on. Good call. Yeah. It also reminds me when you were saying about like, you know, the with the song playing backwards. Did you ever listen to that Justin Bieber thing slowed down to like whatever it was? That someone someone took a Justin Bieber song yeah, and they slowed it down to whatever, like a 40th of what it's supposed to be going at. Yeah. And it sounds exactly like a Sigur Ross song. 
really slow, really weird. It's honestly like if you listen to it, it's a really beautiful piece, and it's just a Justin Bieber song slowed down. It's mad. Um, I'll send you a link to it actually, so you can have a look. But yeah, Remarkable. You, you, you guys should uh, should check that out. See, I'm trying to remember to put it in the show notes as well. Um, so, so the next um, song. Yeah, so so, but you're equating the uh, the fetus there waiting in the womb to to me, the avid listener. I'm hearing these mm. muffled sounds and just waiting for something to happen, mm. Wait, waiting for my head to emerge from the uh, the audio vulva. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a punk band name right there. <laughs> um, yes, and it brings you straight into right Sven Svefan Engler. Which is is that is that actually how it's pronounced? You're just making that up. Just guessing. Zvengi Engler. <laughs> Speakers of Deutsch. Um <laughs> it's sleepwalking angels. Uh-huh. So let's give that a listen. sort of the blueprint for what I think of a Seeger Ross song. So I suppose it's sort of iconic now. Yeah. I mean, um, this was, I believe this was used in an O2 advert. Um, I definitely recognise it from stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, if it wasn't, that's a UK um, mobile like network provider, basically, uh, for people that don't know, because I don't know where else it, else it uh, is. Um for me, this is like one of, I know it's most well-known, but it's also one of my favourite tracks on the album, just because, as you said, it's uniquely like Sigur Ross. It's the archetypal song by them in terms of it goes from, it's quite dreamy, it's quite ambient, soft, but then they do, and what I always love is that towards the end, it kind of gets a bit like nastier and rockier and like bigger if that makes sense and it becomes a bit more epic um and for me those are like my favorite kind of cigarette songs where mm. 
it starts with something small and gentle and then it becomes this like opus basically like this huge like mind altering um sound that just like blows your world wide open and this might not be the perfect example of it um because i think there are other songs that do it better that they've done but this is definitely that type of song totally and you can mm. hear in this i think um some of the influence that they then had on the rest of the decade mm. yeah you, know, you can hear the influence it had on huge bands like radiohead um mm-hmm. and some of the kind of more like ambient indie bands that came up in the um, middle of that decade you know like yeah. animal collective and especially a lot of that sounds kind of like panda bear to me yeah, yeah i can see that i think introducing more and more ambient textures and some interesting electronics mm. into sort of more mainstream kind of what would have been guitar-based indie rock bands. Mm. Yeah. It was, it's also, again, his his singing, the way it's just so high-pitched uh, when it needs to be. Um, and it sounds like Alien-esque, basically. Um, yeah that it doesn't sound like it's made on this planet and it can be really hit or miss sometimes stuff like that but i just feel it works so beautifully with the music and there's like a there's a femininity to it um and yeah it's got this and i mean this for like the whole of their sound really there's this like quite uh and when i say fragile feminine side not to say that women are fragile but you know it's definitely a fragile song, but there's like a strength in it as well. And the way that he sings and like the beauty behind it is things I associate with more of a, which I would not associate coming from like four, you know, guys in their mid twenties or whatever they were at this point. Um, And yeah, it's just interesting. Like it was interesting at the time for me and even going back and listening to it now, as you said, like it did inspire a lot and it's very much of that time, but I'm. I know we always say this, but I'm just like, there's no one doing this kind of thing. It doesn't have to be this either. Do you know what I mean? It's like the fact that, you know, that sound has, as you said, it's evolved and it's become um, other different things, but there's still Mm. like no one really, you listened to that song back then, you'd be like, I've not heard anything really like this before if you didn't know who they were. And when was the last time that you can say that you said that? Yeah. (laughs) These days. I don't know if you could get away with, doing i don't think you could get away with doing something like this now because it's kind of it's been done they've done it yeah um and that to me again like because i'm coming at this retrospectively like i can't come at it fresh mm. so i'm kind of thinking like you know i've, I've kind of heard a lot of this before yeah but what i've heard has come after yeah um but i think what i'm trying to say and trying to um kind of get over is that you're, you're right absolutely like it's, it's it's so been done now but um there's nothing that i feel like is like this is like a new cool and, I, and again i'm always saying this we're both always saying this but there's no like thing which is just like this is uniquely this and it's very interesting um because everything just sounds like everything else and that's i'm kind of trying to get over the impact that hearing something like this would have had to me at that t- 
time where I was like, what the fuck basically is this? I love it and I, I need more of it and I don't understand it. <laughs> um, a fresh new sound. Yeah, basically is what I'm trying to say. And um, For the yeah. 2020s people, that's what we want to hear. Yeah, it's true. Um, and me and Dan were saying just before we um, opened the show because we're going through like, you know, top things of the decade and all this. And musically, um, it's been a bit of a void and there'll be people out there going, like, oh, this was released and that was released. But I'm going, we're saying that like, we're going through stuff and it's like, there's not been that much great stuff that's been released over the last 10 years, I don't think, to be pretty honest. Even though we were saying that there's good tracks, but there's no like albums that, you know, it's a body of work where you're like, this is, oh, this is oh, so tasty. I love every every bit of it. Um, and you're just not, not getting much of that uh, these days. There's nothing galvanising, you know, mm. there's no real focal albums for me that kind of spearheaded a new musical movement or sound or cultural movement movement and but you can look to you know previous decades and pinpoint those yeah i think and you could you could hate cigarettes but the fact that they were kind of doing something going out there and doing something different is pretty amazing and like when i think about like my kids generation or a generation that would have grown up where like you know they're like 15 16 during the last decade where it's like this is kind of the stuff here's the new fresh stuff they're listening to i'm just like man i really feel like they didn't you know and i'm not saying it's the equivalent of like when punk first came on the scene or whatever or anything like that but you know this <laughs> to a degree like music has evolved less and less to the point now where i'm just like what are kids like getting excited about what's like the new fresh sound that's coming out these days mm-hmm. What is it? I don't know what it is. Um, but let's not get too carried away. Because <laughs> this kind of sound, it did exist. Yeah. Um, sort of orchestral um, indie. I mean, Radiohead had already been dabbling with that kind of sound and, you know, lots of ambient kind of um, rock and yeah, and dance music, I, know I like... think, getting a bit more um, introspective, electronic music. But somehow they pull everything together mm. to create something fresh and unique. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was listening to stuff like Cocteau Twins and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, which has a similar, it's kind of a similar sound. Actually, I'll, I'll, there's a little bit about them later, which I'll get on to. But, I think they're um, a bit darker though. Yeah, they are a bit darker. But it was, I think, I, I don't know. I'm kind of laboring the point here, but... Um, as you said, not to kind of make too much of a big thing about it. But yeah, it'd been, everything's been kind of done before. But um, yeah, when I heard this track specifically from this album, I was blown away. But very twinkly. Away. <laughs> it's very twinkly. Very twinkly. It's very... It, it changed my world. Yeah, it's very twinkly. <laughs> <laughs> I like... Um... I do like some of the instrumentation, especially earlier on, when they're just sort of starting to sort of build up this kind of world mm. before it all, you know, blows up and flows over by the end of the track. Yeah. Really nice, uh, like warm kind of organ chord sounds. Nice, like, is that guitar feedback? It's not like aggressive or dirty sounding. It's just like... Mm. Well, that's the kind of, of Ebo stuff that I was talking to you about. Uh-huh. That's kind of what... There that's- it is. That kind of is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it could be 
feedback as well. I don't, you know, obviously I wasn't there, but um, that's the kind of sound that the Ebo should be giving you, really. Yeah, as you said. And it's a bit of feedback, yeah. So, I mean, that's it, really, then. They just did some, like, indie ambient stuff, but they did it with an Ebo. And then they got someone to yeah. sing high. Yeah, that's the strategy. Like do it in a big like echo chamber or something. Go into a church and record it. Um, all right, well, let's get on. We talked way too much about that. That was my fault. Sorry, went off on one. But let's talk about um, the next track. Let's have a listen to that, which is Star Thur, which uh, I believe is translated into um, something very Christmassy, uh, Staring Elf. What? <laughs> like Dances with Wolves, but the Christmas version. Sounds <laughs> evolution. intrigued to hear the lyrics to this song i'm i'd like to know more about this staring elf but i can't yeah, understand you can the hear sobbing the word listening <laughs> you can hear the lyrics by listening to the song Duh, um it's no good but it's all but, sung yeah. in blood I mean, it's all in S- swedish or whatever S- S- icelandic what's wrong with you jeez it's a good job we're doing this show now because by the end of the month this album won't be available to listeners in the uk why? After we've Brexited. Oh, right, yeah. That's true, only a few weeks left. Yeah, um, no, more, no more foreign rubbish. <laughs> yeah, no we, more beautiful Icelandic music, We please. can do the best of Aztec camera, finally. Are <laughs> they <Really> British? <laughs> I don't remember. Um, I do, this, so a lot of this does walk a bit of a fine line for me where it gets too, too sweet-natured sometimes you talk about the song now yeah sorry (laughs) not not the uh not the political situation in the uk right yeah this is what this is it's a little too saccharine for me this one um some of those strings get a bit mm, kind of gloopy um it's all a bit too nice and some of those you know the the kind of like effects on the vocal where it's been processed and again this is the thing of like it being of its time i can't detach mm-hmm. it from what was going on but mm-hmm. i just think of adverts for mobile phones now whenever there's that like distortion on a vocal yeah so it sounds like they're coming over the end of a uh, telephone line mm-hmm. uh but um yeah it's too okay. too syrupy too syrupy yeah. for me this one so I have to agree. Um, this no. is like a stereotypical, this is a kind of, if someone, put it this way, if you're at a party, this is what I imagine someone would be like, have you listened to Sigur Ross? You should listen to this track. And it would be the, and if I would immediately go like, this is not that great because it feels like it's one of the more accessible ones because you're right, it is a bit sweeter and a bit more cheesy. Mm. Um, and it's, I think it's also been used a lot. I quite like how they mess around with the 
the sounds in terms of like the production bit, like that little bit where it goes a bit quiet in the middle and near the end and all this, but the actual meat of the song with the big strings and all this, I'm just like, that's the stuff I don't really, not really into like, and as well, it, you know, it's great in front of an orchestra and it's like this big sweet sound, but I'm like, yeah, that's not really, that's not the single Ross I'm into. And I feel like, maybe like a quarter to half of like Sigur Ross fans are more on this side of the fence, if that makes sense. Uh, um, and I feel like that's the kind of stuff that they leaned into more as they went on. Okay. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, and there'd be, I can, I'd be able to listen to valid arguments against that, but just very, very generally, I do feel like this kind of sound is fine, but, there are much better tracks on the album. Yeah, there's interesting stuff going on in this track, like you said, but if I was a producer, get that orchestra off, bring the Ebo back. Yeah. Bam. I mean, I don't mind it. I don't mind it, but it, yeah, you're right. It just feels like it's ready to be put onto an advert. <laughs> it feels like it's like perfectly primed. Apparently, um, the strings are palindromic as well, if that's how you say it. Um, so they could be played huh? the same forwards and backwards. That's huh. interesting. Little, little factoid for you there. Um, okay, well, let's move on to the next one, which is, uh, okay, let's try and say this. Flugelflusselin. Flying to the moon. You're not You're not far off. Flying. Well, you're, you're quite far off. <laughs> it's got the word flying. Flying to, what's, what's further than the moon? Mars? Flying to Mars? Mars is further than the moon, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, did you go to school? Um, <laughs> no, but I did go to the science museum over Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, you were looking in the wrong direction. Um, the Fly's Saviour. What? What? <laughs> I watched, I watched um, The Lord of the Flies over Christmas. Yeah, and you know at the end they all get saved by one guy. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is what the song's about. Oh, cool. Oh, great. Oh. So let's listen to Flugu Frelselin. Saviour, did it save you? It did, it saved this album, which was going down a very dark <laughs> hole. 
<laughs> I like this one builds, but in a way that's less uh, pompous um, and obvious in a way. Mm-hmm. I think I like that it starts with that sort of more mournful um, sounds, and there's there's some harsher sounds in here. Uh, yeah, very good. Yeah, it's um, it's dark, but yet not that dark. If that makes sense, it's the way they've got the organ in. It feels like a bit gothic, maybe. Um, but yeah, that stark organ sound is is nice. Yeah, that kind of chamber, um, cold chamber, <laughs> chamber sound, <laughs> uh, and. It sounds quite minimal as well, even though there's still a lot going on because his vocals are pushed quite far up front in this. Um, it, f- it feels like a bit more personal, maybe. Yes. Um, and it's quite a, like quite cool, pretty um, sound still, but it just feels like he means it. And that authenticity almost kind of you know comes through and shakes you a little bit um, yeah much more than the last song yeah like like you said that that building of the other instruments behind his vocal it's not as uh ostentatious as that previous track um you know with all these just like big sloppy sloopy (laughs) strings yeah just piling on um it's a bit more subtle this Mm, yeah um Okay, well let's uh, let's move on to the next track, and this is called. Right, let's see if you can guess again what the translation is. I'll translate, is. everyone. Yeah. Don't worry. Nigh battery, no batteries. So close. Oh, so close. My battery. No, one more go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Think about it. Batteries. No, batteries is right. Oh. The first word, first letter, first word. I love batteries. <laughs> yes. No, it's, no <laughs> it's not. It's not. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's new batteries. Oh, I thought it might be like a Philip K. Dick kind of, no. you know, 
title. No, it's not. Um, so, new batteries. Let's give it a listen. Do you feel like you need new batteries after that? I feel like the Duracell bunny. I could go and go and go listening to this music all night. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Would this be uh, one of your favourite tracks off the album then? Um, possibly so far, yeah. I think so. Um, I've got a little bit of kind of something creeping in that makes me feel a bit like a little bit cynical because you're starting to see the template mm-hmm. of the songs. <laughs> Um, you know, it's build it, build it up, build it up, build it up. Instrumentation comes in about halfway through mm-hmm. and then big ending. Um, but it does sound good. I like the, I really liked the sort of first minute or two with this just sort of like meandering, almost kind of like folk sound. Like I don't know anything about Icelandic or like Scandinavian folk other than what I've heard through probably like Bjork albums. Mm. Um, but it reminded me of some of, some of that and, some of those discordant kind of weird noises kind of remind me a bit of like um, Indian raga. Okay. So I liked all of that. I thought that was really quite cool and interesting. And when those drums came in, they were really quite harsh. Yeah, very upfront. Yeah. In your face. Really uh, jarring, which I liked. Yeah. Kind of shocked me out of my uh, like nice, nice sort of torpor that yeah. <laughs> built up. Well, they feel like bombs going off almost. Like, yeah. It's um, especially just after you've had that kind of like quite, you know, that introduction um, and then just suddenly it's like boom, boom, boom. It's yeah, like weird really hi-hats hit. as well, like weird use of hi-hats. Mm. Just like, sort of like clasping and almost like slashing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting because it's, I feel like it's one of the more different songs. And again, as you said, the template is still there. And, you know, and it's not, it's nothing against, I mean, obviously like there are bands like, I don't know, Mogwai or something that do a lot of this still, still to this day. Um, and you can tell they've kind of inspired by them. I don't know if they're inspired by them or if they were around the same time, but, um, yeah, just having that whole, as you said, it's kind of starting off very gently 
and then there's something really big and that grabs you by the throat a little bit at the end and then it kind of drifts back off that kind of journey is kind of like a classic Sigaros um template but again just it's still there's nothing wrong with that it, it works you know and it works here as well it's a bit again it feels quite dark again um and it feels a little bit more stranger than the other songs on the record mm. and just and there's a point where yeah when you think oh, i'm a little bit you know meh, I'm a little bit done with this song like you know whatever that's when the drums get you and you're just like oh right oh hold on oh hold on there's a whole like other other side to this song I wasn't even you know aware of wasn't even thinking about until you know that percussion came in um yeah so i think for me it's like one of the sleeper hits i'd say mm. of the album if that makes sense like um one of the ones that you don't really think that much of but then when you go back on this to it, you think actually that was really good why don't <laughs> i listen to that track more on this album new batteries please <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah, cool. Uh, should we move on to the next one? By Any, all means, let us know what it's called. The next one? Right, let's see if you can work this out. <laughs> um, it's got a letter in it that I don't even know what it is. Uh, yeah. Well, yes, good point. Hajartau, Hajartau Hamast, and then in brackets, bam, bam, bam. Yeah. Now, you could, You, I think... You could work this out. Yeah, no, I know what this one is. Come, that's um, so. This is actually a cover, and it's Venga Boys. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> for the, yeah, pretty much. Well, the bam, bam, bam is actually boom, boom, boom. Correct. Okay. So, so could you get the first two words? Do you think? <laughs> I mean, Hajato Hamas or something. Hamas. Charter Hamast. Um, could it be? Think about the first word. Jarta Hamas. Sweet potato hummus. Yes. It doesn't sound like anything. The heart pounds. Boom, boom, boom. Hijata. Heart pounds. Sounds like heart a little bit. Yeah. Well, let's give it a listen. Boom. It's quite easy, really. It's Icelandic. It's true. Well, I don't know why anyone. Who is learning Icelandic that doesn't live in Iceland? That's a question. We should do it at school. It's easier than um, French. Yeah. Well, if if you're one of those people who learn Icelandic and you're not from Iceland, it's up. Here we go.
weird fetus in my womb. <laughs> uh, um, that was a good think. one. Yeah, do you like that? Yeah, very surprising at this point in the album to have new instruments and sound introduced. Um, yeah. But I liked that, like blues, harmonica, very unexpected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a bit really more of a jazzy funky. organ. Yeah, jazzy and ja- jazzy drums and a kind of like, almost like 70s kind of funk bass line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, again, I like some of this ambient noise that comes in after the song is essentially done. Horrible, crunchy, yeah, digital, like noise, harsh noise literally. and stuff, mm. uh, which I like. Yeah, it's like the CD's been fucked or something. Yeah, um, yeah I am okay with it. It's not one of my favourite ones, I think, because there's so much going on and there's not really a hook that much or anything really. Um, I'm not too hot on the jazziness of the number, but it's like kudos for like doing something, you know, trying something out, whatever. You know, sounds a bit more experimental, maybe. Um, yeah, I can see I why you don't like this one. Yeah, like it hasn't got that big emotional hook that the other songs have. Mm. It it's have, interesting. Yeah. It's still interesting to listen to. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know, like, what, what is it? Like, what am, I, what am I really listening to? Is it just being different for the sake of putting in some different bits? And I think that's, it feels like a bit like a scrapbook of ideas that they kind of had and put together. Yeah. Rather than some coherency as a song. Again, I don't mind it. Could have come out of a jam or something. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just like, I just feel like there's stronger things kind of going on elsewhere. I like stuff like this on an album though, where, you know, it gives you a bit of a break from yeah. some of that really intense, like emotive stuff. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It does work. It works for what it needs to do. And as you yeah. said, it's cool just to mix it up a little bit at this point. Um, so it does the job well. It's just not something I would, you know, specifically put on to listen to. I'm anticipating we might springboard into another huge opus next, though. Well, let's find out, because this next one... Uh, right, it's called... See if he gets this. <laughs> Fiora Feltilofterasa? Um, could that be... Um, live well until you die? You'll, you'll never get this. i tell you what, here's a clue. It sounds a little bit like Lufthansa. <laughs> um, f- fly with Lufthansa <laughs> ready made um, song for an advert no I well, don't know no idea good weather for an airstrike <laughs> oh really that's very good yeah right, could have been the soundtrack to the uh, volcanic ash cloud of 10 years ago <laughs> remember that one? yes they preempted it remember it yeah <laughs> I was. I think I was. I just been in Iceland like six months before, and remember that he was driving us around and going, like some of these are set to explode any second. Oh wow! <laughs> right. We've been waiting for like this one to explode for ages, or whatever. And then like six months later, it did. <laughs> so um, screwed everything up. Yeah, he got his wish. So yeah, all right. Let's listen to Phil to Lufthansa.
What do you think of the airstrike? Is it good weather? <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, again, this is sort of like more what I expect of them. Um, it took a long while to get going, which I like. Mm-hmm. It's quite, quite brave. It's like two minutes of almost nothing happening. Um, and then just that nice sort of piano balladry. It's almost just like in the background for four minutes. Yeah. It's like nearly half of the running time. Yeah. Um, and then I liked, you know, there's a string heavy at the end, but not not in that way that's very um, like heavy-handed. I liked it. It's kind of like, I don't know how to explain it, like busy, busy, shrill strings. Yeah. Um, that were very pretty. What did you think about the end? Um. Yeah, I liked it, you know, just like, uh, sounded like everything that I thought they would do and just building up another big epic ending. Yeah. Um, well, I have to say, I don't really like this, this track. <laughs> How come? I think it's too, I don't mind that it's too long. Um, as you said, I quite like the fact that it's, it's almost like, yeah, as you said, like minutes go by and nothing, nothing is really happening. But again, just when those strings come in, I'm just like, I don't, it's like the shrillness of it, like just kind of grates me a little bit. And like when it has those like sweeping guitars coming in, yeah. uh, even though they're not there that, for that much, it just reminds me of like, oh yeah, that's the cigarette stuff I like. More yeah. than these shrill violins or whatever, it's like, yeah, I'm more, okay, I guess. But that stuff, I'm like, okay, that's cool. But I did like it, like the frenziedness of it towards the end. Yeah. For some reason that always, like whenever I listen to this song, that frenziness like kind of wakes me up a bit and like, it makes me think, oh yeah, cool. Like, like it's just gone off on one. Um, and almost like the antithesis of what I've just listened to, which is these, you know, oh, this big orchestral sound. But this is the kind of, again... This is the cigarette, and it sounds like I'm mainly hung up about the orchestral side of it, and I'm not. It's just, uh, don't find it pleasing to my ear, particularly. And I thought, again, it was okay, but again, I just don't, it didn't really wow me. I didn't really feel anything particularly amazing. Um, I just felt like it was again, more like the album taking me through a journey and this is like another chapter of it um, rather yeah. than it being like an, a song on its own right. I don't know. Just not, it's not, I didn't really dig it as much as the others. Yeah, I thought, it, you know, it's fairly pedestrian for the, what we've heard so far, but I don't think it's, it's not as offensive as the <laughs> earlier one. No. Star, star or fur. Yeah. No, it's the longest song here. Yeah, and that's mainly because you know not much happens. Truth to tell, a four-minute intro. Yeah, um, but again, it's like whenever I'm saying stuff like this, it's not. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just like the quality that's the bar of Sigurd Ross for me is quite high. So whenever I hear things like this, I'm just like, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's a Sigurd Ross song that's like you know. I'm sure they. As you said, like maybe it was in a jam, they knocked it out in whatever. Um, but yeah, it's I prefer big sweeping guitars and like hard hitting drums and you know, crying vocals kind of thing rather than these like happy little ditties with the violins 
which um, I seem to have got, yeah, seems to, making it sound like that's my main problem. <laughs> like I'm anti-violin. Yeah. Um, maybe I am. You hate him. Isn't that the, um, isn't that the plot to the Queen musical? Some evil overlords like banned all the violins or something. And the Queen have to. We will rock you. I've not seen Bring it. music back. <laughs> uh, or is that the. Actually, I'm thinking of the cartoon series of the early 90s Oscar's Orchestra or something. Oh, God. I don't remember that. It was a piano that had to save music, been banned by a fascist regime. Well. And you're the fascist. Well, yeah. Who hates violins. I, well, I just want more other stuff. <laughs> If people want to, you will not have this violin, Sigurdros. People want to defy me and get better music out there. I'm all for it. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll play. The, I'll play the scapegoat. Um, uh, so the next track, Dan. The next track mm, is Olsen. I can pronounce this one. Oh, go then. Olsen, Olsen. Yes. Who's your favourite Olsen? Mary Kate. Of course. <laughs> of course <it> is. <laughs> the other one. Whoever she is. Nothing. Nothing. Pales in comparison. Um, so people might... Why have, they, gone. why have they done a song about the Olsen twins? Why wouldn't you? I, well, I mean, they hadn't really achieved very much at this point in their <laughs> career, had they? They had a hit TV show at this point. It's probably the most famous they were. It was maybe around this point. Aren't they like 45 oh. now or something as well? <laughs> <laughs> They're really old. Um... um yeah, actually, to be fair, they were 13 when this came out. Yeah. So they'd already done loads. They were in decline. Yeah, they were already on their way out. Get out of here, Olsen twins. But before you do, here, we're going to write this song, Olsen Olsen. Um, apparently the lyrics for this and the last bit of A Getters Billion, the uh, title track, it's just gibberish. Huh. Um and it's called von Lenska, apparently, is the kind of nickname they gave to this gibberish language, um, which their next album, which is the Brackets album I was telling you about, yeah. um, was complete gibberish as well. So people think, because obviously people can't speak Icelandic, they just presume it's Icelandic. It's not. They're just yeah. making, you know, the rest, of it, it's, the rest of it is Icelandic, but just for this song and a little bit of the other song. Um, yeah, it's just complete gibberish. A gibberish that they've given the name. And I like that. I like I like people playing with and mocking language in that way. Yeah. Uh, and their whole thing with it was that it was to kind of just go, it's kind of like scatting almost, and like the good scatting, the chess scatting, not the bad scatting. Um, <laughs> like Scatman, Scatman, Scatman John. John. In a sense, His work just... was taken forward by Jonathan Davis of Corn. That's true. Yeah, yeah it was, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's true, it's true. And... Just the fact that it's more about using your voice as an instrument that's mm. presenting the emotion and stuff rather than the words of it. The vocabulary has gone and it's more yeah. just the noise of it that's kind of becoming another sound within the mixture of the music. And, yeah, so it's interesting. Oh, cool. So, that is interesting. I'll keep an ear out then for... I'll see if I can detect any difference between the Icelandic and the gibberish. Yeah, sure. See if you can. And this is, well, that's in the next track. All the, the, all the lyrics for this is gibberish. Um, so let's listen to uh, one New York minute. Mm-hmm. 
Right, so firstly, the New York Minute, one New York Minute, I said, but New York Minute reference was because the Olsen twins were in a film called New York Minute. Thanks for explaining that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not overly familiar with uh, the work of the Olsen twins. Well... there, there you have it. That's just, this is how it is. Not what did you the think age about ten anyway? Um, what did I think? Um, I thought you can have Christmas, but have you had an M and S Christmas? <laughs> Sounds like the advert to yeah, some kind of uh, high street supermarket trying to sell you on their very opulent luxury Christmas puddings. Yeah, God, it really is a problem, isn't it? The fact that. Adverts just completely hijacked the sound. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally commercialised it. Um, there's some sort of woodwind stuff going on in here. It sounded quite mm-hmm. sort of like... Um, flutey. Yeah. Mmm, very flutey. Um, <laughs> and his vocal was quite impish here. It was all a bit It was all a bit return to Fern Gully for me, this song. Yeah, fair enough. Impish. It reminds me, do you watch The American Office? Um, yeah. It's, it's an episode where Dwight... <laughs> comes in as like a Dutch Santa or something and says whether people are impish or good. Or, and if you're impish, you get like, was it whacked by a twig or whatever, a stick, a branch or whatever. He's going around, I deem you impish. <laughs> I haven't yeah. seen that one. That's yeah, good. It's good. It's a good one. Um, yeah, I th- you're I'm probably going to point out, um, you're going to guess what I'm going to say about this song. <laughs> say it anyway. I know what you're going to no. say, but say it anyway. No, I actually like this song, and I like the violins in it. So no, you don't. I do. I like it. Okay, and I think it's because it's. I like the bass line. I like the way it starts. I like everything about it, and when the orchestra comes in, I don't mind it. <laughs> I actually think it feels like the jubilancy of it almost works because of how it started. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that it's got like the panpipes or whatever and all these little bits to it. And the fact that it ends as if it's like in the middle of like a market, like they're busking or something. Um, I enjoyed that. Like it's this big sound and it's almost as if like the world is just going by and, yeah. you know, it doesn't mean anything. It's nothing. It's happened. It's a moment in time that's gone. Get over everything, it. everything just continues. Yeah. And almost that dismissive nature of it. But I'm putting it, being aware of it, that self-awareness and putting it at the end of the song, if, I don't know if that's what they, was going, they were going for. Um, I was just like, that's a really cool way to kind of end it. Yeah, so I quite liked it. Yeah, it's interesting with these, um, I don't know what to call them, but these sort of segues, I suppose, at the end of the songs, you know, like some of that digital noise at the end of one and just, just sort of like ambient clattering. Um, I think that's quite quite cool how it comes off the end of these like big, almost like very grandiose um, crescendos. These are very small, kind of like vignettes, I suppose you call mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it does just make preparing it feel... you for the next big thing to begin. Yeah, and it does kind of. And again, this is the thing with albums, especially like when even back then which isn't that long ago, but still it's an album was an, an album. It was thought of as one piece, like not like, okay, an album is 10 individual tracks just yeah. put together. Like this is a body of work. And it's, it's interesting because it's like, I think, I think how 
like people obviously these days how they consume music is on a track by track basis. Yeah. And I know we were we were joking about how I was listening to um what's his name? Never gonna Rick Astley. And he was saying how like he's releasing a best of and he was saying like what's the point of re- of me releasing a best of because there are just Spotify playlists or whatever that just yeah. do that anyway. Like why would you buy it? So it's like he's done a new song and like there's a B-side, which is all um, all the songs, but done acoustically that, you know, whatever, it's a whole new thing to give it a bit more interest. And it's interesting because he's right. Like, you know, the idea that of an album is almost dead really. And he's talking about best of, but essentially the idea of putting, you know, you're thinking more of like a track by track nature. Like what are the tracks that work that people will listen to and put on, their playlists and you know mix it in with everything else rather than being like okay we've got 10 tracks this is how each track will go into the next one it you know it's a body of work it's a piece of art that we are creating not just like a playlist essentially yeah and when that form of commercialization finally takes over which it will albums like this simply won't be made yeah well i wonder if it's like you know i'm very much believer in the fact that everything going full circle and maybe there'll be like a return to it where people will get a bit sick of just like listening to stuff on playlists or whatever and doing X, Y, Z and coming back to the whole like, you know, 10 tracks that need to be played together in this order. They need to link one to the other. Um, whether there'll be like a return to that and that will be seen as like almost like a new different way of doing things. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe. It's happened out, before. Yeah. Because there is like, I do miss that side of it. And I think, you know, there's certain nuances that are kind of left out um, that we're seeing here, for instance, as you said, like the way that tracks will end, begin, you know, compared to what's happening before or after. Like it, you know. Yeah. It's that's, looking at the bigger picture. That's why you need to rush out and buy this on double LP. Mm. Two slabs of vinyl, my friends. Doesn't fit on one, it's too long. <laughs> Double album. <laughs> Hit that up. <laughs> yeah, it is too long. Um, what did you think about the gibberish? I couldn't discern it at all. It was just, uh, you know, the, the point they're making was very valid because... Yes. You know, yeah. Because you had no idea. No so idea. we're going on to the next track, which is Agatus Virgin, or whatever I said it before, Agatus Virgin, um, which again as we spoke about before, means a good beginning or like an all right start, depending on translation or whatever you talk to. Um, and yeah, apparently this, the whole reason the album and the song was called this is because they showed this to a friend of theirs. This was the first song they did. And he, and he said, I go to Spurgeon, whatever, like as in like good beginning, like a good start. Huh. Um, and so they were like, well, why don't we call the song that? And then why don't we call the album that? Um, I do yeah. like that something could have been lost in translation there. Yeah. Where you're like, good beginning, okay start. I guess I'm going, no, eh, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right it's to all right. start. It's all right for the first thing you've done. Yeah. Hopefully it'll get better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, cool. Well, let's give it a listen.
think? Is it a good beginning, even though it's like kind of at the end of the album? Yeah, it was a good thing. Uh, the song had a good beginning. Um, I liked the, you know, it's very pretty and everything, but there was some really sour chords in there. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of they're unexpected when it, yeah, when it when it happens, you're kind of like ooh, um, which is good in my book because it stops it from being too pedestrian and it was getting a bit sweet. It did make me realise sometimes when he starts singing, I acknowledge that his voice is such a fundamental part of the overall sound. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I just want to slap him. Right. Um, which happened here when he started singing, mm. but then I got over it. Yeah, I kind of understand that. Yeah, I mean, it's like it sonically. If we're talking about like frequencies, his singing is is integral to how it works. Just because it's like you've got that big sweeping, usually quite dark organ or deep bass sound, and then you know his he's because his frequency, he's literally singing so high, like really like top end. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of weirdly like makes it bigger by just balancing it mm. out. Yeah, but makes sense. Yeah, you're right in a sense of like sometimes you're like, oh, here he is. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, here we go. Um, yeah. But I, I think I quite like this song and it's very simple. It's not, um, you know, it's not like a big epic opus like some of their other stuff um it just it feels like a something a bit as you said it's kind of like borderline saccharine almost but doesn't quite get there um and it's just quite nice it's quite relaxing and just blissed out as you listen to it really it's quite nice at this um point in the album i think a bit Mm -hmm. more low-key yeah did you pick up on that like that sour sour chord yeah, I can see what you mean. Yeah. Um yeah, it's still like kind of in the same key, I think, but it's yeah, it's doing something that's kind of not what your brain would automatically go to. Yeah, it just goes somewhere a bit. Yeah. Like emotionally it's a bit like a bit of a lurch. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's just anyway. I like I like stuff like that anyway, that kind of feels a bit off. Yeah. Um yeah, it kind of adds to that kind of almost sadness as well. Yeah. Um, but it's just like it's not quite hitting the note you want it to there's something quite sad just in that in and of of itself yeah Um, exactly you don't get that fulfilment you're expecting yeah exactly right so now we come to the end of the track of the album sorry and this is called Avalon which doesn't have any um, it's just nonsense it's the name of a Roxy Music album yeah is it? Is it? Well, it was the a name of. Um, I worked for a company called Avalon, I think, back in the day. Well, it's probably in in testament and in, in tribute to one of those things. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind as you listen, and maybe we'll give uh, he'll he'll give us a clue in the lyrics. Yeah, maybe. So here you go. Um, are you having a laugh? It's Avalon.
So what a lovely ending to the mm. album. It was. Did you like that? I did, I did. That's that kind of uh, vaporwave sound that we both yeah. enjoy. Mm. Um, it sounds like it might be something that they came up maybe with the producer as an experimentation in the studio. Mm-hmm. And with those like sort of weird bangs at the end. Yeah. Like, they're just trying some sounds out and see what works. Um, but I really liked it. And well, do you know what's f- funny? Sorry, go on. Yeah, carry on. You know what's funny is that it's actually a different take of the instrumental part of the song that we both probably hated the most. Huh? Which is Starov, uh, the staring elf. It's just slowed down. Really? Just taken the tape, really, and just slowed it down, yeah. They should have so done that for strange. the whole song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I quite like the way it's like, Again, it leaves it on a very <clears throat> strange note and uh, something that's a little bit dark and a little bit off and a little bit weird and a bit like a bit noise, basically. Totally. Um, and it's not really how you'd expect an album like this to kind of end. But no, it feels appropriate for like what we've listened to before because it's an it's quite experimental and there's a lot of experimental stuff to it and ending on a track like this gives it puts its feet like firmly in the fact that um you know it's experimenting literally it's an experimental album almost nicely put oh. yeah i didn't expect the album i thought it was going to go out on a big big orchestral high so this is mm. very very welcome mm. um i was kind of thinking i would like this track or a track sounding like this to have appeared maybe earlier to break up again some of the, the sounds. Yeah, um, maybe a shorter version thereof or something. Yeah, but I definitely wouldn't want to actually take this song and, and not have it be the closer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see can see what yeah. you mean. Something so, uh, a bit different. Good decision-making yeah. from the uh, the Ross boys. Yeah, really was. Ross boys. You <laughs> know. Um so that's that's it. So we've listened to the entire album. Uh, Dan, what, do you want to sum up your thoughts? Um, I think it's more experimental than I anticipated it was going to be. Um, yeah, like I said when we started out, I based a lot of assumptions on bits and bobs that I heard at the time. Um, so glad to hear that there's a bit more more depth. Um, and I really liked some of the yeah like instrumentation and sonic textures here. Um, especially when they got away from that too rigid kind of, you know, build up strings, high voice, massive epic, uh, massive epic ending mm. kind of kind of thing. I think my favourite songs were that um, Nye Battery and uh, Bum Bum Bum. Mm. The Boom Boom Booms. Yeah, it's um, for me... It's not my favourite Sigur Ross album. I think the one after this, the Brackets one, is probably my favourite Sigur Ross album. But I would probably say it's my second. And it's, as I said, it's like, I feel like here they know what sound they are making, <laughs> basically. You know, obviously they do. But I like the idea that, it, that with this, bear in mind, their second studio album, they're already trying new things and just seeing what, you know, what more they can do how can they add to stuff um but yeah i think they're still and this is the thing like 
they're still it's an element where they're still hanging on to like um how do I put this uh the the idea they want to make something quite fanciful almost and is that part of me and it's just like forget that forget it go down the moody dark underbelly yeah and explore that because that's more what I'm about and um do more with your guitars basically and essentially that's what they did in the next album and um that's why this is still a super great album but the next album is like one of my favorite albums of all time and this is such a great you can clearly see it it's such a great pathway into it and um yeah and overall um as you said like there's I, I don't know what would be my favorite track on it you know because as you said, looking back on it, just being so aware of the fact that it's been used in so many different things, it's kind of ruined it a little bit. Mm. doesn't feel as original. So like something like uh, Sven Gronix and Sven Jeep Engler or whatever <laughs> would have probably been maybe my favourite track on, on the album, but I can't listen to it because it's just like I'm watching a like, seven-minute, <laughs> listen to a seven-minute O2 advert or something. Yeah. Um, or a wildlife documentary. Yeah, or like, yeah, BBC's output for the next year or something. Um, And, yes, it's kind of ruined it a little bit for me, so it's hard for me to kind of pull out um, a specific track that I feel is my favourite. But generally speaking, I think it's a really, uh, really great album. And it was definitely one of my favourite albums of that year, 1999 (laughs) or 2000, however you want to say it. so yeah, I guess I guess that's it. Any final comments? Um, you know that fetus on the cover? Mm-hmm. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> it really is me. Oh, I should say actually, now that um, uh, the guy, um, the artist uh, guy, uh, got back to me whilst I was uh, whilst we were doing this. Oh wow, Gotti, and he basically, I was like, oh, can you give us a few words about? you know, the picture for the album and all this stuff. And he, 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 lovely guy, just basically said, I'll just send you what I gave for the limited edition or whatever. So it's like, okay. So I'm, I'm going to read this out. It's slightly long, but I think it's pretty interesting to be honest. Yeah. Um, so this is from, uh, um, from Gotti. Uh, I had a post-production and animation company called Nivid and next door to a recording studio called Newlist. We shared a smoking area and that's where I, obviously he's written this, He's Icelandic, so it's, it's you know, I'll do what I can, but it's not like perfect English. We shared a smoking area, and that's where I met John C. first. He was a part owner in the recording studio, and both companies had just started up, so business was slow. For days, we did nothing but drink coffee and smoke cigarettes. Sigaross had just published their first album, Von, and I remember going to this amazing concert in a small chapel in Reykjavik. John C. didn't sing then. He hadn't tried it and had no plans to. Um, they had a girl come in and sing with them called Hera, and sometimes Kishari would help out as well on keyboard, but he wasn't a part of the group then, and of course, Gusty was the drummer. With Von, the band started getting noticed in the underground scene, but it didn't get much radio play, possibly because the recordings weren't that good. They had produced most of it themselves when they didn't really know what they were doing. Maybe that's why Johnsy wanted to own a part in the recording studio to learn how to produce. After Von and having more access to recording equipment, they did the album Von Brigoy. To me, that album shows how versatile the band's vision and talent is. With the two albums, the band gained audience and respect. 
they became known, especially in the Icelandic music scene. The band and other musicians hang out in the studio a lot, but business was still slow. John Z did score for some of the TV and commercial stuff my company was doing. I think he did some work for his father's metal shop for extra cash. He's good at making stuff with metal. Mm. He did these amazing light sculptures. And once he gave me a collection of real heavy metal shot glasses for Christmas. That sounds cool. Whatever yeah. was happening in the studio, I could hear over my work area. So when they started working on what later became Acasti Birjon, I wasn't very excited. <laughs> to me, it sounded more like what they'd been doing on Fon, uh, when I'd hoped for something more like Fon Brigo. We should say, what is, uh, like, Fon, I've re- I know they released Fon, and there was a release called Fon Brigo, but I didn't realise, I think maybe Fon was an EP, maybe? Or um, Fon Brigo, or maybe it was vice versa. Do we I know? I don't know. Von looks, is definitely album length. Yeah. Um, as is Von, the other one, which is apparently Recycled Bin. Yeah. Weird. Um, but I think it's remixes. Okay. Which makes sense, yeah, Recycled. Right. Um, but they kept working it, and I think the whole process took over a year. During that time, being next door, I was repeatedly asked for comments, and I must say now, I thank God that none of my comments had any impact on the band whatsoever, <laughs> except for encouraging John C. to sing more. I don't know if that's how you say his name. Towards the, no, that's me saying that. Towards the end of Agatis Bajun production, I'd moved to another company. John C. came for a visit and mentioned something about me doing the artwork for the cover. He left me with a CD of what the recording sounded like then. I'd given him a portrait of himself as a skinny giant holding a butterfly as a Christmas gift, hmm? and he asked for something similar. As he left, I gave him a large box of instant noodle soup that I had just made, uh, just done some commercial for. The date had expired, but it kept him alive for months as he didn't have much cash and was almost living in the studio. I was more than happy to do the artwork. The whole band had become my friends, and each and every one of them is a unique talent that has a kind of giving vision of the world. They'd poured their hearts and souls into this, and now it's time to do my bit. My only problem being that I was working a lot and didn't have much extra time on my hands and I knew they didn't have the money to pay for the work and also I didn't believe the album would sell. Back then, editing and doing animation on computer would require a lot of rendering time. That's when the computer calculates changes in between frames. Sometimes I would have to wait for hours and I used that time to draw. So I'd sit in front of the computer with a sketch pad and pen and listen to the CD Johnsy gave me when the computer would start to render, I would draw. I listened to the CD all day and by the third day I realised that I was hooked. Even after spending a whole year of listening to a Getsch's version in the making, when it all came together, the quality, uniqueness and the depth of this sound so was so amazing that I was mesmerised. Every pen stroke in the original drawings is done with the sound of a Getsch's version in my ear. And that's it. That's cool that he drew it to the music. Mm. You don't often, I don't know, maybe, maybe it happens more than I am aware of, but... Yeah, I think they could, you know, commission artists, right, and say, like, this is the vibe but i don't know i don't really know how it works sitting there listening to it while you're drawing there's something very romantic about that yeah and something honest authentic as yeah well. um oh, that's really cool of him to shout out yeah it's good um so that's it Sigaros. and yeah so for further listening um i think we should do the next Sigaros album at some point um because, yeah, it's a real treat. Yeah, let's um, do it. But, uh, yeah, that's it for now. So, Dan, where can people find you? Dreadful Discs on Instagram. Uh, and I've got a YouTube channel as well now. 
Yep. How's that going? Peter, have you put one up lately? Had a little pause towards the end of 2019. Um, mm-hmm. And I've actually recorded a backlog of stuff. Okay. So, so at some point, yeah, at some point I'll probably, maybe at the end of this month, I'll do a sort of bit of a relaunch. Mm. Cool. And if you like this, me and Dan um, will be starting up a separate podcast, um, a little comedy joint, which I've been uh, talking about on the minisodes as well. So that'll be coming out soon. And yeah, but as always, you can go to newwinter.com. We need some more ratings and reviews. Um, if you hate this, don't bother. But if you love it, then <laughs> can you please leave a, a positive review on whatever platform you use? Apple Podcasts is the usual one because that's the most used um, podcast platform. Uh, but you can email us at newwinterpodcast at gmail.com, Instagram newwinter, Twitter newwinter, patreon.com slash newwinter. We've got some exclusive stuff up there. And um, yeah, and that's it. I think so thanks very much and a good happy ending to a good beginning (laughs) thanks for listening guys and if you enjoyed the show then remember to rate and review us or go to patreon.com slash new winter to find out how you can get exclusive content see ya culture up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com when it comes to your finances you think you've done it all You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.